I want to talk today about the madness of feeling different, feeling out of place. Uh, we have uh, uh, Evan is a freshman in high school. Davis will be going into middle school next year. There is nothing more frightening as a parent to watch your children about to walk through what you walked through. When you release them into that world and they're in a classroom with students you don't know, people you don't know, and you're going, oh, my Lord, because I remember what it was like. And most of that comes from just being different, not feeling like you fit in. And I'm talking to a whole crew of people here that if I had you raise your hand, it would astonish us. How many of you don't feel like you fit in anywhere? You don't fit in in church. You don't fit in in society, culture. You just feel like even in families or marriage, you feel like... I believe that Nashville is a place that attracts people that feel different. And so they come here and they finally get connected, but they're only connected with other people that are different. And so there's this weird thing going on. Some people feel different because they're shy. They're, they're quiet And so they don't feel like they quite fit in. They can't quite get to that place. They think, man, if I was louder, then maybe I could fit in. If I could just wear flashy clothes or if I could have this talent, maybe I'd fit in. And then you have folks that are loud and they don't feel like they fit in because they're loud. And everybody just kind of gets nervous when they come around. And then there's the folks that are right in the middle, just the, kind of the middle. You're not loud, you're not shy, you're just kind of normal. But if, then you think, man, if I was just like them, if I was shy, I could get some attention. You know what I mean? People would feel sorry for me. And if I was loud, I would definitely get attention, but here I am. And so everybody feels the same, and that is everybody feels different. And feeling different can be so maddening. Because it's isolating. Once you feel like you don't belong, then you feel isolated. I want to talk for a few minutes today on isolation. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis 2 and 18. The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, we always tie that into man and woman, husband and wife. But the first part of that is the most important part, and that is God saying... It is not good for man to be alone. What he's saying is it's not good for man to be isolated, to feel like they're an island to themselves. And so if God does not want us to be alone, guess what the enemy decides to do? Because God says it is not good for you to be by yourself. What does the enemy do? Come on, help me out. That should be the end of the sermon right there. God bless you. You can go home done. Satan does everything he can to isolate us. To isolate us from other people. To isolate us alone into ourselves, where everything becomes about us and our needs and our desires and it's all about us. If you're taking notes, write this down. The enemy, number one, uses isolation to bring temptation. Uh-oh, did a little alliteration there, a little rhyming, a little, little flow going on. He uses isolation to bring temptation. Did you notice that he tempted Eve when she was by herself? You hear me? Well, she wasn't with Adam. 
He tempted her when she was alone. The enemy does not do many flash mob temptations. He doesn't tweet it out. Hey, guys, at this time, on this day, in this location, I'm going to tempt all y'all. Because all of us would get together and go, no, it's not going to happen. For the most part, what he likes to do is he likes to pull us aside. And we talked about it several weeks ago about any house that's divided against itself will fall. He likes to pull you aside. And when he gets you off to yourself, that's when he begins to tempt you. Here's what the Bible says in James 1 and 14. But each one is tempted when he is what? Drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Let me read that again. Don't worry about the screens. But each one is tempted. When? When he is drawn away. Write that down. James 1 and 14. When you're drawn away by your own desires. And so what he does is he puts that desire out there. And you feel like, I got to have that. Ooh, man. Ooh, that's enticing. I got to have that. I got to have her. Ooh, if I just had him. If I could just, if I did that, I know I'm going to max out my credit cards. But if I could just do that thing, wear that, then... And, and you don't consult anybody because you know they would say, you have lost your mind. Right? And so what isolation does is it does away with your accountability to other people. And the enemy gets you over here and he starts talking to you and saying, you deserve this. Come on, you're tired. Right? And then he begins to take the word of God and he begins to just move it around just a little bit. You notice what he did to Eve? He said, did God really say? He didn't call God a liar. He just said, did he really say? Come on, what does the word really say about that? Come on, just tonight. Just this one time. Okay, come on, just, it's going to be okay. Just, come on, you, you deserve this. And he just entices you and he Get you all over here by yourself and your family and your friends are all gone. Let me say something to you. If you got to get over here to do something, you probably shouldn't be over here doing something. Anytime I've got to watch the TV screen while keeping an eye out for Kristen or the boys, I probably shouldn't be watching what's on the screen. Can I get an amen from somebody? He entices you. He pulls you away. He does that by isolation. Secondly, he uses isolation to bring division. He uses isolation to bring temptation. He uses isolation to bring division. He gets you off to yourself. And he begins to tell you, nobody likes you. They all hate you. They don't get you. They don't understand you. And then you start believing that mess and believing that lie. And he begins to say things like he told Eve. He said, here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. If you do this, then you are going to become like God. So what he's saying is, you're not good enough the way you are. The way God made you is not good enough. So here's what I want you to do, baby. Eat this. Snort that. Wear this. Drink that. Tweet that. Listen to this. And when that happens, it's going to make you like him. You're going to be better the way you're really supposed to be. And he begins to divide you, divide your focus. Remember several weeks ago, we felt we had a word for God over our church, and that was God was going to bring multiplication to us. But because he was bringing multiplication, the enemy was going to bring division. Right? 
Because the enemy always tries to bring the counterfeit to what God is doing. I wish I had somebody to help me out. I got the McCrary sisters here now, y'all. It's bad news. Because they like to amen. And they can amen in harmony, which is even better, if you know what I'm saying. And so what happens is the enemy tries to bring division. The way he brings division is isolating you. And making you think that you're the only one. You want to dive into that for just a moment? Write this down. Isolation and insecurity go hand in hand. This is life changing for somebody today. Listen to me. This is life changing for someone today. It was life changing for me when I was studying for it. Matter of fact, I got a couple of texts today from people involved in the worship. And they're like, man, the worship is so strong. We may never even get to the word today. And I'm like, great, let's go for it. But I kind of hope we do because this is a life-changing word today. (laughs) Insecurity and isolation go hand in hand. Watch this. This can be confusing. I don't have a whiteboard. Either insecurity leads to isolation or isolation leads to insecurity. Whatever the enemy's got to do to get you there, that's what he'll do. His point is not isolation. His point is to get you insecure about who you are, what God has called you to do. Some of you are insecure because of your past. And because of that, you don't feel like you can be in connection with God. You don't feel like that you can be in community with other people. But here's the deal. All of us have got a past. Some of them is just more recent than yours. Some of you got a past that happened 30 years ago, three years ago, or three minutes ago when you whispered under your breath to your wife what you shouldn't have said. Right? We all got a past. And so here's what I want us to understand. Everybody's over here by herself going, man, I got this thing. If we could just, if all of a sudden the Lord would open up our spiritual eyes and we start looking around the room, everybody's past, we're like, oh, I don't feel so bad anymore then. Our past, our shame. This is what David said. David said, don't cast me from your presence, Lord. The Bible says his sin, our sins, our sins have, have, have pulled us away from God. And yet, we always read that scripture, but we don't read the scripture that says, but his arm is not short concerning his promises. We always read the scripture that says, my sins have separated me, but we forget how long God's arm really is. I'm separated from you. Yeah, but I'm like Stretch Armstrong. I'm just keep on reaching towards you. Oh, Stretch Armstrong. I lost a Sesame Street generation on that one too. I mean, do not know who Stretch Armstrong is. Raise your hand. Lord, we got a young church. Help us, Jesus. His arm just keeps on reaching and reaching and reaching. How long is God's arm? How long is his arm? Well, that scripture that talks about as far as the east is from the west, he's going to put our sins from us. That's how far his arm is. So if he can throw your sins that far, he can also reach you where you are. Man, that's a good... I I wish I was out there right now because I would just be receiving it. I'd probably be up here on my face right now. Isolation brings insecurity because we don't feel like we fit in. So we begin to think, I'm just not good enough. I I don't fit in with these people. 
One of the worst things that I've heard ever is people saying, I don't fit in anywhere. I just don't fit in. See, that's a lie of the enemy. Look at me. That is a lie of the enemy. Because God has a U-shaped space somewhere. That's why when some of you came to the hills and you're just like, I walked in, it's like, click. What was that? There was a space just waiting on you. We are not the perfect church. I'm telling you, we're going to fail you. We're going to upset you. You're going to get mad at us. We're going to say the wrong thing. Somebody's going to offend you. Probably have already done it today. But that doesn't mean that there's not a spot. Yes, those pants have offended me. I heard you. I can hear you. You think I can't hear you, but I can hear you. How did he know? It may not be perfect, but when you feel that click, that means that God has a space. He was just waiting on you. Don't feel like we fit in. Some of you don't fit in at work. You don't feel it. You don't feel like you fit in in the world, secular society, and yet you don't feel like you fit in in church. Well, welcome to all of our lives. Why? That's why the hills is here. <laughs> Sometimes we don't fit in because we are left out. Now look, let me talk about that for just a minute. There are times that you don't fit in and it's because you are left out. Sometimes on purpose, people just look at you and go, no, no, I ain't hanging with you. It could be the way you look, the way you smell, the way you talk. I don't know. But there are times that that happens. They just put the Heisman on you. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me just say right now, this can never be the case at this church. We have had some people say to us, to me and Kristen, I just don't feel like I fit in. God, if there's anything, Lord, that Kristen and I have done as pastors, or this church has done that would make people feel like they don't have a place, then forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. We will fight with everything we have to make sure that we're pulling down any boundaries, any road barriers, any speed bumps to keep people from fitting in. Listen to me, because people show up to church looking for something to get ticked off about. Right? You know you do. You show up going, now what can I find wrong here? And all it takes is one little boom, boom. I knew it, just like all the other churches. You heard me say that, just because the Starbucks mess your drink up, you don't quit drinking coffee. But for some reason, you get ticked at church. You just don't go to church anymore. I mean, I had a doctor misdiagnose my brother, but I still go to doctors. Okay? I'm just saying. Got quiet then, didn't it? Oh, no, his brother died. It's okay. We laugh about it, all right? My brother will be laughing. He probably is laughing right now that I said that very thing. Listen to what I'm saying. We get this mindset. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to move all the speed bumps. We're going to try to make the next steps just as simple as they can. Where you know, this is where I go. This is where I fit. This is why I'm so excited getting all the reports about our Hills gatherings that have been going on all around the city. We had one happening last night. I am so excited because it's given people a place to fit in. And so we want to make sure that we are never exclusive. We always talk about making your circles into horseshoes. When you're out in the lobby and you're standing in your little four circle, 
You see somebody walk up, just turn into a horseshoe. Come on in. You got dinner plans and it's the same seven that go eat dinner? Just open that thing up and maybe go to nine. But it's more weight for a longer table. Oh, okay, I see your point there. Leave them out. Don't care about them. <laughs> so we're going to try to remove the speed bumps. But let me say that to those of you that don't fit in. Look at me. It's important. You've got to try. Now look, I jumped on us. Let me jump on you for just a minute. You've got to try. Well, I just don't fit in. It could be because you feel like a porcupine. Look at me. I don't know why nobody will come close. Could it be the switchblades? The machete? Come on, you got to try. Find something. It is good. Thank you. That's why I love these folks that show up. I, I interviewed sweet Brittany today. Brittany Thompson. Where is Brittany? Is she here? I'm going to embarrass you. I'm just telling you straight up. Because as I'm studying for this sermon, I'm thinking to myself, but you're loud. <laughs> you, you have no problem just making a way. Me, I don't have a problem. I just walk in. My mama taught me that everybody loves me, and if they don't, they're stupid. That's what my mama <laughs> taught me. Have y'all never heard that? Literally, my mama told me that every two weeks, baby, everybody loves you, and if they don't, they're stupid. I just believed her. I've met some stupid people, I promise you. <laughs> but I just, I just believe her. I just walk in. I think y'all should love. Why wouldn't you want to hang out with me? We're good people. And if you don't believe me, ask Boots. That's my mama's name, all right? So it's easy for me to talk about this. Come on, fit in. You got to try. But I got to thinking, now what about the people that it's not that easy for them? And so I interviewed a couple of people. And Brittany's the one I'm calling her name out today. Because I interviewed Brittany. I said, Brittany, Brittany wrote us the most beautiful letter about how she came and there were time, place, other places she didn't fit in. And not just at church, just everywhere. But she said, I showed up here and I found a family. And I asked her, I said, Brittany, why? What was it that helped you find a place? And she said, first of all, there were people encouraging me to fit in. They were pulling me in. She said, but I'm going to tell you what really happened. I found my identity in Christ. And she said, once I found that, I didn't have a problem finding a place. So I want to tell you right now, we're going to quit begging you to serve. We're not begging you to serve anymore. We have kids that are in the back right now. We have kids workers that have not been in church in five weeks. Do you know that? Back there taking care of our kids. They have not been in the service for five weeks because they're serving, they're giving. Why? Because we do not have enough Hills Kids workers. We just don't have enough. And so these precious women and men keep serving and keep serving and keep serving and keep serving and keep serving. What I want to do is stand up here and say, y'all got to serve or you got to leave our church. That's what I want to say. But I'm not. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about identity. 
We're going to talk about finding your place in Jesus. And when that happens, we're not going to have to worry about people serving. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, loving is going to lead to giving. And giving leads to living. You got to try, okay? Don't blame us for what you're not willing to work out. Just dive in. I don't know what to do. Well, ask us. We'll tell you what to do. But I don't know if I agree with everything. I don't know if I agree with everything. And I'm the pastor. Okay? I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust this church before I serve. I don't know if I can trust you to work with our kids, okay? So don't pull that mess on us. It ain't going to work, all right? I know it's worked in other churches and it's worked in Nashville and we're all testing it out. Look, I'm tired of testing it out. Dive in. You've been coming for two years and we're only a year old. It's time to dive in. Just testing it out. You're a deacon, okay? <laughs> Christian, you got to quit testing it out. You're the pastor of this church, okay? Come on, let's go. You tracking with me today? Come on, let's dive in. I don't really know where. Look, just dive in. Pick up a chair. Start picking things up. Help, help. Dive, just go. This is why I love Carol and her whole family. They all came in and just took over the church. <laughs> other day, somebody said, did they go to your, does Carol go to your church? I said, Carol and her whole family, they came in and took over the whole thing. Just running the joint. Dive in. A hill's gathering. We've got these now. There's 20 of them going on around town. Dive in. There should not be a reason that you can't fit in. Come on, just clap your hands so I feel better about what I just said. Isolation leads to insecurity because we compare ourselves. Compare ourselves. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, it says when you measure yourself by yourself and you compare yourself with yourself, you are not wise. Let me say something to you. The reason sometimes we're so insecure is because we're continually comparing ourselves with other people. And I'm going to tell you what right now. Look at me. Instagram is an insta-scam. Because everybody posts the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm looking sharp today. Don't know that I'm sucking this thing in just as tight as I can. Pictures of our me and Kristen together on a date. 30 seconds later. Just take a picture of that and post it, would you? Some realograms. Come on, let's. And so what you do is you, you go online and you start comparing yourself. And I do this. I used to do this a lot with other pastors. I go, man, oh, my goodness. Oh, look at their church. How many people do they have? And, oh, these people, just it's incredible. And then I start getting to know some of these guys, and it ain't always the right way. I go to their churches to speak, and I go, you had 5,000. There's like three people here. It's a low Sunday for us. 5,000 to 3? Come on, that's like a really big drop, you know. I heard a preacher say, don't judge your behind the scenes with somebody else's highlight reels. That's a good word right there. 
You judge these perfect relationships. You judge, we're just always looking. And social media, I'm telling you, it is a false connection. You feel like you're connected because you know everything with everybody, but you don't know them. You are not connected with them. And it can, I'm telling you, I believe that social media in a lot of ways isolates us more than it connects us. Is it just me? And I know I get on it all the time, and I use it, okay? I, I use it. I Instagram and tweet and all that stuff. But I want to continue to remind us that is not real life. That is not real connection because you don't hear the tone of their voice. You don't see the tears that are in their eyes behind their shades. You don't know what is really going on. And so he isolates us. So stop comparing yourself among yourself. Quit measuring yourself to one another because you're not wise. And it's going to get you in trouble when you start looking at it. Well, they, they all went out to eat together, but they didn't invite me. How many have done that before? Raise your hand. Honestly, I don't. Why am I left out? So you can't do that. You just can't do that. Okay? I'm going to get me a crew together. We're going to Instagram and leave them out. Just not wise. Isolation and insecurity go hand in hand. Y'all still with me? Isolation and arrogance go hand in hand. Either arrogance leads to isolation or isolation leads to arrogance. Nobody gets me. They don't get my art. They don't get my creativity. They can't handle this. The only reason I'm not selling more is because I have not sold out. (laughs) Speaking of sold out, I can't believe the flaming lips are now on every commercial that I look at. It's just incredible. When they were the sold, did I lose anybody else on that one as well? I know if I make that reference, I can look at Micah Smith and he knows everything about every band that's ever been created and will ever be created from here and furthermore. Amen. Amen. they just don't understand me or how about this one this is arrogant nobody has it as bad as I do that is the worst arrogance you can have because you don't know how bad everybody's got it that isolation leads to that you don't know what I'm walking through well we don't know because you won't share it and when you share it you share it with such contempt for what we're walking through I'll never forget almost having to pull my mama off someone at the hospital. We were at the waiting room. My brother is taking his last breath, and this guy is sitting in the waiting room telling us how bad his life is. I literally had to take my mama, Mama, let's go get a Coke, okay? Just walk her out. I thought she was getting ready to go ballistic on this cat. You ever been around folks like that? Just the arrogance to think that you're the only one that's got it bad, and nobody's going to measure up to what you have. Come on, I want this to get into the DNA of the hills right now. I want this to get into who we are. Because isolation leads to insecurity, but it also leads to arrogance. Saying nobody gets me. Nobody has it as bad as me. Or how about this one? Nobody else can do this but me. I am the only one that can do this. If I was out of the picture, nobody knows. I've been a part of ministries where we would hear that. We would hear that all the time. I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. No, you're not. This is the state 
that you find the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Now, when you get home, your homework is 1 Kings 18 and 19. I want you to read that. How many will read that? Three people. That's awesome. (laughs) I feel so good about myself right now. Such an amazing leader. Derek, you told me with my throat this way, I was going to sound like a real Pentecostal preacher, and folks are just going to go crazy today. It ain't working. It just ain't working today. How am I going to read that today? Or sometime. First, God, I don't know who that was, but I love that person. First Kings 18 and 19. Listen to this. Read this. Now, this is what he's just seen. Watch this. He has just seen fire fall from heaven. He's ordered the slaughter of 450 prophets of Baal. He prayed and saw the end of a three-year drought. He outruns a chariot, has Jezebel put a hit out on him, ate a meal that fueled him for a 40-day journey, heard God speak to him through wind, earthquake, fire, and finally a whisper. This is everything that he has experienced. And here's where we find him, 1 Kings 19 and 13. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Can I get an amen from somebody that feels that way? I'm the only one serving you, Lord. I'm the only one. And I love what the Lord says in verse 18. I have reserved 7,000 Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Here's what's happening. I'm the only one. Shut up. There's 7,000 others. If you don't say shut up in your house, I am sorry, okay? But that's pretty much what it says right there. Shut your mouth. Quit your belly aching. You're whining. You're so isolated. You think you're the only one and nobody else can do it but you. Listen to me. There is an entire community. There's an entire kingdom that's just waiting for you to let us in. Romans 12 and 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Arrogance. Isolation brings arrogance. Look at me. Somebody has it worse than you? Say it with me. Somebody has it worse than me. And somebody is better than me. (laughs) Just when I think I've got the corner on the market, I don't. Romans 12 and 4. We just read Romans 12 and 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And then it goes into this. For just as each of us has one body with many members and whose members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. Look at me. The way you eliminate isolation is to realize that we are a body. And you do not have to do this by yourself. Can you imagine my hand just deciding it's going to go autonomous for me? Just do its own thing. Nobody can do what I do. Well, it's because you won't settle down for us to catch up to you. Nobody can do what I do. Okay, I, I get it. We figure it out. If you just realize you're one body, we'll all work together. Let us help you out. 
You're going to come together. You're going to be reminded that you're not all there is. That you're not the only God's gift. We're all God's gift. And you're going to realize that you're not as bad as you thought you were. Come on in close. Hebrews 10, I love this, and 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to love and good works. One translation says, Let us spur one another to good works. Yeah, I love that one. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. One translation says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Look at me. You need church. You need this. Well, I don't know that I do. Okay, then we need you. I got it all together. Well, we don't. Can you come share some of your all together with all of us who don't have it all together? Why do you think Jesus went to church? Because people needed Him there. So He showed up. Don't forsake the assembling. Let's get together. Let's not neglect our meeting together. The Bible says they met in the temple and then in houses daily. That's what you want to do. You want to be in church on Sunday. Come on. Make a point to be here on Sunday. We were talking about the other day when growing up, we just didn't miss church. I don't know about y'all. How many were raised that way? It was just not an option. I think I coughed up a lung. Doesn't matter. You're going to church. You and your lung. We'll count that as two people. (laughs) Cough up another and we can have three, okay? Just bring both of them in. You just didn't miss church. It's how it was. Now it's just an option. I feel like it's just an option. Look, let's not... We're not being legalistic about it. We're not going to legislate it. But I'm telling you, make it a passion that your kids see it a priority to go to the house of God. And then not just on Sunday, but then daily, our hills gatherings. That's what this is about, getting connected with other people. Write this down and I'm done. Connecting is all about encouragement, accountability, and agreement. When you get connected with other people, it encourages you because you realize somebody's there with you. You are suddenly accountable to somebody else. Why are you down today? Well, accountable, okay? I haven't, I've been noticed a little. Why are you? Come on, I'm in your life. And then lastly, agreement. We're two or three agreeing on anything. Yes, God can move in your life by yourself, but God can move exponentially in your life when you connect in agreement with other people. Can I get an amen? Fellowship reminds us that we are not isolated, that we are not alone. I love this, 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. You are a chosen people, verse 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I love that. Ephesians 2, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. What he's saying is, you were Kermit the Frog. You were by yourself. You were different. You didn't have a people. You didn't have a place. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you so much for this word today. And I thank you that you are using it even now to touch and change lives. That hearts, Lord, that have been calloused to anything spiritual, anything emotional, today things are changing, Lord. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, there are people that have been in caves for years. And I feel like saying this. There's someone here today that's been in a cave for three and a half years. I feel led to say that. Three and a half years, you have been isolated. Some of that because of what people have done to you. That was the first part of it. But then you just decided to stay in the cave for a little while. I'm speaking to you right now. The Lord has a word for you. Come on out of that cave. There's an entire community that's just waiting for you. There's a family waiting on you. You don't have to do this by yourself. So Lord, I speak to those that are in the caves. We call them out in Jesus' name. Those that have barricaded themselves and guarded themselves and put up barbed wire and electric fences. Today, Lord... We're asking that you, with your sweet mercy and love, make your way through all of that mess. Begin to bring the prodigals home, Lord. If that's you today, you've isolated yourself. Just raise your hand. So that's me. I've done that. Me. All right? Put them down. Anybody here today, that was you? You felt that when I said that three and a half years? That was you? You felt that? Just raise your hand. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Thanks. So today, 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 we're coming toward you, Lord. So I want you to say this right now, those of you that feel isolated. We're going to do a couple of prayers, but for those of you that feel isolated, I want you to say this. Just say, Lord, I'm just telling you now. In your own words, you have to repeat after me. But just say something like, Lord, forgive me for insulating and isolating myself from you and the things of you. Forgive me for not trusting you and your people. I repent of all that. And now I'm asking for you to come. Bring your healing oil now. Bring your strength Let's not rush this moment. This is an eternity-altering moment for somebody. Somebody's about to step into their destiny today. Look, don't be cold. Nobody, don't be cold. Help me right now. This is the time you help me press in. If you're already above this and beyond this, help me pray. Intercede right now and pray for somebody else. People making choices now. They're going to be released into their destiny. Such people here that's so full of life such greatness on them but isolation in that little cubicle come on out come on out as my friend Dr. David Foster used to say people will love you if you let them they'll love you All right, look at me 
How many feel like you've been isolated by God? Raise your hand. Because God does that. There are times that God draws you away. He did that with John the Baptist. He did it with Jesus. Led him into the wilderness. Sometimes God does that, right? Pulls you away. Paul is in the desert for three and a half years. Jesus would leave and go pray. Isolation. Sometimes God uses it. He talks about the secret place, right? There's a place God brings you to. But here's the point of it. God only takes you to a place of isolation to draw you closer to Him and to make you realize it's not about you. So how do I know if it's God putting me in isolation or me or the enemy? Who's it about? If you're in a God isolation, it's going to be about Him and about other people. If the enemy has done it, it's going to be about what you're bad at and what you're not good at. So that's how you tell which one it is. If God has you in that moment, don't rush that. That's a good season, a God season. But you never have to be in those times alone. He's right there with you. We're there with you. Okay? Man, I love y'all. I wish you could feel mine and Kristen's heart for you. That we carry you throughout the week. Our heart beats for you. It aches for you. And I don't say that to try to make you... I'm telling you, we love you. And it kills us when we see some of you off by yourself, knowing that the enemy's looking for the ones that are by themselves. Don't get by yourself. Come on, let's do this together. Let's do this together.